Welcome into the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe, where you stay up to date in 48 on all things NBA. I'm Ross Geiger, the host of the show, and this is episode 13. Bruce is out tonight and likely still recovering from watching his Celtics take the L in Miami, which made it two straight losses for the team in Beantown. But tonight, I've got an exclusive one-on-one sit-down with one of the best in the business, co-host, World B, Michael Freer. We'll be, how are we doing the, tonight? That was great. That was the, one of the all-time <laughs> lead-ins there. You had your fingers crossed the whole time you were saying it, I know, but I, I'll take it. No take-backs. All right. Well, we've got a lot on this show. It's definitely action-packed with everything going on in the NBA. Let's go ahead and get right into our opening tip, and I'll start with you, World B. Uh, you know, the, I would like to say, you know, we all would, that, you know, this was Kobe Bryant's uh, – uh, the third year anniversary of his passing. And, you know, it's, it's one of those moments where, you know, I remember where I was when I heard the news. I, I remember like it was yesterday and it was a shock. Then it still feels like a shock. He is sorely missed as a person around the league. Uh, obviously one of the all time greats. I mentioned to you off the air, it's, since Michael Jordan came into the league, there was always the quest to find the next Jordan. And many tried and failed, and Kobe was the one that made it. He was the one that was the next Jordan and went beyond that in the eyes mm-hmm. of many, and justifiably so. So, you know, it's a kind of a down day when you realize what today is. But it's also you look back at the greatness of the man, too, as, as a player. He was just really something else well said there will be our thoughts and prayers are with his family during this difficult time and all the other families that lost loved ones in that horrific helicopter crash and certainly the basketball community misses him Uh, he had so much more to offer the game I mean the guy was already a legend of course with everything he did on the floor but what he started to do off the floor as well with the Mamba Academy uh, with his daughter and his daughter's basketball team and and just mentoring a lot of the game stars today. I know that our good friend Bruce did reach out. Jason Tatum is wearing an armband uh, in honor of Kobe in tonight's Celtics game, and uh, he's sorely missed. So uh, great to start out our podcast, uh, giving a shout-out to, Mon- to the Mamba. And uh, on a bright, brighter note, uh, I want to wish a happy birthday to my favorite NBA player of all time, Vince Carter. He turns 46 today. Um, and uh, go ahead and leave it at that. But uh, for my opening tip, I've actually got two quick hitters on games. We likely won't spend too much time on discussing on today's episode. And, and first, that is the Toronto App, Toronto Raptors. They earned a big win in Sacramento, which further helped World Beast case, arguing that the, the Kings' recent schedule was going to be a problem for them. And so far, it, it certainly seems that's the case. Um, but the Raptors ended up winning by 18 points. And uh, World B, I just kind of want to put you on the spot here. Without looking, do you want to take a guess how many players Nick Nurse used off his bench last night in Sacramento? Uh, I will guess he used about seven. He used a grand total of three players. And all three bench guys were non-guards. It was Precious Achua, Chris Boucher and movie star Juancho Hernan Gomez. So quite <laughs> impressive just uh, looking, taking a peek at that box score, seeing the highlights, and man, was that uh, something else. But speaking of highlights, will be another one that I certainly had to add to my opening tip here is a truly incredible uh, performance uh, by Damian Lillard. I mean, you know, I think we all forgot to check the clocks in Portland last night because it was certainly Dame time out there. Lillard was scorching hot in their home victory over the Jazz. He had 60 points on a wild 21 of 29 shooting, 9 of 15 from deep. And he also grabbed seven boards and dished out eight assists and uh, had three steals on the other end as well. So uh, shout out to the Blazer legend. Uh, he was absolutely in fuego in that one. And, uh, it, you know, going right into our first quarter here, we'll be, you know, just with a Wednesday recap, it's just wild how much just took place last night. And uh, for quarter one, I really want to focus in on key returns and big matchups. And we'll go ahead and start with a big matchup with the Nets and Sixers. 
And uh, the Sixers were able to outduel the Nets at home with just too much firepower from uh, the Brooklyn Nets or, or, or for the Brooklyn Nets to actually handle. Um, and, you know, they did get a boost off the bench from Steph Curry. Uh, he was he was great off their bench. But what did you see in that one? And uh, what were your big takeaways? The big takeaway for me was the Nets reverted back to that defense we saw a few years ago when they, they were just, you know, their team was determined to outscore you. And this was not a, I mean, it was just an up and down. It was a crazy wild game. Uh, the offensive explosions in this game, the production, I mean, here's here's Brooklyn. They get a season high in offensive efficiency, you know, nearly 140. It was 138.5 points per 100 possessions, a season high, and they lose. Yeah. You know, they had the their effective field goal percentage was almost 74%. It was the highest in any team in a loss this year. It's just it was just the numbers are are crazy. Kyrie gets 30 and 10 and they lose. Seth Curry gets 32 off the bench and they lose. Nick Claxton misses one shot, goes 10 for 11 from the field and they lose. It was just and you know, the Sixers had some Solid all-around players. I mean, he had Embiid and Maxi and Harden that combined for 76 points. But it's not like they had a 50-point game guide. It's not like they shot the lights out either. The Nets had, you know, shot 65% from the field. They they shot uh, – they had 18 threes, the Sixers did, so that certainly doesn't hurt. But – yeah, and they also went 35 to 36 from the free throw line. So, yeah. you know, you're not going to – it was a kind of an ugly game too. A lot of technicals out there too. A lot of BSing and stuff that you kind of knew was, you kind of felt was going to happen with Simmons making his return there and stuff. And it was John and all that, but it was just an offensive. Uh, Mike D'Antoni would have been proud with the, of watching that game, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, and and another you know just rematch for James Harden to go against the Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, he was uh, teamed up there for some time as well. Uh, what really stood out to me outside of Seth Curry off the Brooklyn bench and Maxi going six and nine from from three off the Sixers bench uh, was the 76ers shot 37 free throws and they only missed one on the night. I mean, Joel Embiid was a perfect 13 to 13. Harden actually missed the one free throw, went six to seven and everybody else was perfect from the charity stripe and, and certainly played a big difference maker in just a four point game in Philadelphia last night. So give only credit seven, to them. Only seven missed free throws in the game. Yeah. Because the Nets are I mean, 21 of 27. So it wasn't – it was a – you know, that's where you, you get a lot of your points these days. That's one of the reasons for the offensive explosion that we see is just um, a ridiculous number of trips to the free throw line at times. We saw the Heat go with a 40 for 40 a couple of weeks ago. It's just – you know, you just don't – you're seeing more nights like that, and you're seeing better shooters and at the free throw line too. So that's another reason why you're getting this increase in scoring this season. Yeah, no doubt about that. Great point there. Now, the other game, switching to the West Coast here, we had two teams fully healthy for this one. It was the Memphis Grizzlies visiting the Golden State Warriors. Uh, the Warriors went out and did defend their home court and edged out the Grizzlies in a tight one. Uh, throughout. Um, not sure if you got a chance to watch that one, but I'm sure you did check the highlights and the box scores. Uh, what were your takeaways from that game? Well, it was a, like you said, it was really back and forth. 24 lead changes. It was tied 18 times. So it was a real exciting game. And, and the Grizzlies, I mean, four straight losses now, and their defense has not been there during that losing streak. It's, you know, 116.7 points allowed per 100 possessions. That's very unlike Memphis. Um, not what we've come to see over the last couple of months. And it was really not a good night for uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. That we, you know, no. he's, he's probably our favorite player on, on this uh, show you know, <laughs> these days. I mean, six fouls, no blocks. It's the first – he finally now has more personal fouls than blocks on the season. He had gone – almost the entire season with more blocks and fouls, which I think I mentioned in the last episode was pretty unique. Or, and, uh, and now let's flip the other way. Memphis, their problems continue as far as shoot. They don't have perimeter shooting, even with a guy like Desmond Bain in the lineup, just two of seven. 
and they only shot 30, less than 33%. They made it less than a third of their threes. And so it, it was really, uh, there's some flaws in their game that, that has to be corrected if they really want. Now, you know, 31 and 17 is 31 and 17. It's still pretty darn good in that conference. But you want to win a championship. The shoot, the perimeter shooting has to improve somehow. And maybe it will as they go forward, but it's it's really a problem for them. And I mean for the Warriors, it was a you know good night for Poole and Curry. 55 points combined Poole gets the winner at the end and stuff. And I we're just waiting for the Warriors to go on a run and it just isn't happening. They still haven't won back-to-back games since um, since early January, late December, early January, when they won, I think, four in a row. They've just been alternating wins and losses the last couple of weeks, and it's not getting them anywhere. You know, yeah. it's just we keep saying, "Oh, they can turn it on. They they're ready." And in that conference, maybe they can, but I just still don't see it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely a concern. Uh, for Golden State, just not being able to find that consistent ball that that's needed, uh, going to, going up against a team like the Grizzlies, another team that's one of the best in the West, and uh, kind of going back to Memphis. You know, you, you mentioned their big problem in uh, perimeter shooting, and you know they rely upon Desmond Bain for so much of that. Uh, he's been a little inconsistent this year, definitely not shooting the three ball like he was last year. Um, but even just taking a look off their bench, I mean. They had Zaire Williams play 23 minutes, and he jacked up six threes. Didn't hit one of them. I mean, they could really use uh, a guy off that bench that could, you know, help them knock knock in some threes. And, you know, maybe a reunion with Jay Crowder could be in the works. Jay once did play uh, with the Grizzlies. And, uh, you know, I would assume at that point a guy like Brandon Clark, who's now starting, would probably come off the bench for them. But, you know, I think just having multiple three-point options is something that this team needs to upgrade before the trade deadline. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't know where where that's coming from, but they, I think they definitely do, definitely need that. As I mentioned, they, yeah, I told you they're one of my favorite teams, them and the Pelicans. And we said it before because they they're able to be efficient without being a great shooting team and stuff, mm-hmm. and they get their points in other fashions. You know, twenty-nine points off turnovers last night. Kept them in the game there. It's 62 points in the paint. Stuff like that that they get. They love to you know do that. They didn't get a whole lot. Well, they got 20 fast break points. They outscored the Warriors by 13 on the fast break. So these are the things they do to get uh, to get them their points. Come playoff time, the fast breaks don't they're not as prevalent. It slows down. The the game slows down, and you have to be able to score. You have to be able to shoot from the perimeter. It doesn't necessarily have to be three-pointers, but the way the league is today, that would certainly help. And you're right. they If there's a team that needs to upgrade from the perimeter at the deadline, it's Memphis. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you talk about the three-point shooting and, like, just needing that. I mean, with John Morant, I mean, his go-to is getting to the cup. I mean, he's getting to the hole. He's drawing sinking defense or sucking defenses in, and, and he's got to be able to kick that ball out to somebody. Absolutely. And, you know, like they've got to help him out. I mean, granted, John Morant still had 12 assists in this game, but uh, I mean, he probably could have had 15 to 18 assists if they had had some shooting around him for that game at, with how badly they shot the ball from three. And he so. was two of seven from three, just like, you know, Desmond Bain. Now, Bain's a good shooter, and you expect right. that he won't be two for seven the rest of the season, otherwise, they really have problems. But yeah, you, you just need some guys to help. Even if he's, even if Desmond Bain is having a great, let's say he goes four of seven from three, they still they need more to get yep. what. Just what you said. How great would it be to have a guy who's one of the best at getting to the rim and John Morant being able to dish it out instead of having to go to the the and take the hit and go to the free throw line and all that stuff. So having a guy to kick it out to, I think, would really help them out. Absolutely. Yeah, and they got one of the best screeners in the league. And um, Stephen Adams, uh, Adams did not play in this game, so we we, we should definitely mention that. Um, but yeah, if Jaw's gonna you know just step back and, and and settle for threes, that that's something I'm willing to take. I'm living with that shot Absolutely. when it comes to John Moran because he creates so many more problems off penetration. 
and and from mid range. So uh, big game there. And then uh, as far as key returns are concerned, uh, Brandon Ingram he returned for the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, the rust did show in that one for Ingram. Uh, he <laughs> got think? off. Yeah, he got off to a really rough start from the field. Finished just four of eighteen uh, from the field, going oh uh, six from downtown and uh, bi. You know, to his credit, did have five assists, which he does average on the year, um, but he did turn the ball over four times. So not a great assist to turnover ratio uh, for him there. And for the Pelicans, you know, they desperately needed another creator. And with time, I I think, you know, I've got no long term concerns for Ingram. I think he'll definitely find his rhythm and get back to where he kind of left off prior to the toe injury. Uh, I mean, he was having a tremendous start to the, this season. So no real concerns, but uh, you know, what was your takeaway from uh, uh, him being back with new Orleans? Well, it's, it was good from the Pelican side. It's good to have them back. They, they desperately need to get those guys healthy. It's starting to wear on them, not having both him and Zion in the lineup. They really need, we don't get to see what they're about right now. And what they're doing is losing games in the meantime and falling further behind six straight losses now. And their offense is really suffering. Even with Ingram back, you say with Russ, you couldn't have expected a heck of a lot from him there, but you know, their last during this six game losing streak, they have the worst offense in the league. They're scoring about 104 points, 105 points for hundred possessions. That's just not going to get it done in, in the, today's NBA. And it's a real shame from the Pelican standpoint because McCollum is finally getting going. It, yeah. he, you know, he was struggling the first good. couple of months really bad, and now he's been really good the last couple of months, and he had another good game last night, 25 points, 9 to 17 from the field, and 5 of 9 from 3. Really good numbers, and he's been one of the best shooters we you know in the league over the last month or so. And they just got nothing to show for it because there's no help around them right now. And they really need having Ingram back, getting his mid-range game going that he loves to do will absolutely help them out. And obviously getting Zion back whenever that comes will obviously help. Then we'll get to see the kind of team that I said a couple episodes ago, (laughs) don't sleep on the Pelicans, wait till they get healthy. Well, I'm still waiting and in the meantime, they keep losing games because their offense is just starting to sputter. Yeah. And, you know, Willie Green's got a tough job on his hands, too, trying to manage these minutes. All, you know, the rotations with, with Herb Jones and, and Trey Murphy, the third, and then incorporating the minutes restriction with Ingram. It's just a whole lot going on right now with that team in the rotation. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it takes them a week or so to kind of get their groove back with, you know, reinserting Ingram into the equation there. Yeah. And the problem is, you know, Trey Murphy is a good player. We've talked about him before. It's fine. And Jose Alvarado is a good player off the bench. They're fine. Najee Marshall is a good player. You know, he was starting. Now he's coming off the bench. You, you need your stars in the lineup and you need those guys who have been forced into the starting lineup to go back to their roles right now, which is, instead of 30 minutes a night, give you 20 to 25 minutes a night and being more productive in those minutes. When you have to depend on them for offense, for stretches, for long stretches, it's going to be trouble. And we're starting to see that now. It's, you know, the Pelicans are too good to lose six six in a row. And, it's, you know, now, granted, they, they, they went up against a team that's playing pretty well these days in Minnesota that's playing much better. So, yeah. That also has injury issues we cut out, but you know they're uh, they're playing better, and so it's not the worst loss in the world. But just they gotta get something going. The Pelicans, yeah, and, and you mentioned that you know those niche role players have to get back to their regular roles. That's another uh, situation I'm looking forward to in Phoenix. Uh, Devin mm-hmm. Booker, uh, I think it came out today that he might come back uh, in the next week. So. You know, with him back, Chris Paul back, uh, some guys are going to have to take a back seat, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how how that team gels back together to who they once were as a powerhouse uh, offensively. You know, with their MVP caliber uh, shooting guard and Devin Booker, so that that will be another fun fun one to watch along with New Orleans. But yeah. uh, second key return I wanted to talk about and was my main focus last night. I was definitely locked in 
was AD's return and Rui's debut for the Los Angeles Lakers. And uh, Darvin Ham elected to start Thomas Bryant in AD's return game. And it ended up working out pretty well. AD checked in midway through the first quarter along with the newly acquired Laker and Rui Hachimura. And it led to a nice reprise from the crowd, kind of got some energy in the building. And uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that, you know, much of that was for AD, though. I mean, I don't think it was uh, the excitement around Rui. Um, you you but, think, huh? Yeah. But for AD and, and 26 minutes of play, uh, he, he was outstanding. He looked like the AD that uh, we know. And his mm-hmm. stat line certainly kind of speaks for itself there. He had 21 points, 12 boards, and four blocks. And, uh, you know, as excited and optimistic as Laker fans should be after this showing, there were a number of plays, I must say, that AD looked like he was about to shatter. I'm not sure if you watched the game, um, but definitely needed to, to go ahead and point that uh, point that out. This guy literally was looking like a wobbling glass vase out there. And there are a few times where I kind of held my breath when he got went down. But well, what, were your ta- what were your takeaways from this one? My first things first. Name me a time when it's not going to, you're not going to feel that <laughs> yeah. way about AD going forward. That's just how it's going to be, um, unfortunately for him. Uh, my takeaway was it's nice that they're getting, again, just like everybody else, it's nice that they're getting healthier and they're getting the lineup that they, they want. Eventually, he'll obviously be in the starting lineup, and now you have LeBron and AD there the way you, you want it. But they're still, the Lakers still, it was a disappointing for me. It was a disappointing effort from the Lakers from this standpoint. You can't do better offensively against the worst defensive team in the league. I mean, the Spurs are just terrible defensively, yeah. and you only get one hundred four point seven points for one hundred possessions against the Spurs, and a fifty percent effective field goal percentage. That's mediocre at best against the worst defense in the league at home. I understand you're getting AD, but AD had a good game. AD played fine. Russ Westbrook had had a good game. He was fun. It just was that you need a thirty. You need to outscore the Spurs by ten in the fourth quarter to get this win against a team that clearly is just throwing out you know college guys. It seems like you know college level guys at some nights. It seems like um, and that does not care about playing defense clearly in the Spurs. So. I would like to have seen a better performance from the Lakers. And now it's going to be really fun for them because 10 of their next 14 on the road, yeah. including the bunch out East. So it's, you know, let's see. You get an AD back at just the right time. I'm sure it's not coincidence. I'm sure they, they planned, uh, you know, made sure they got a game in before they brought them in on the road. But, you know, that's going to be a rough stretch for them. And they're a team that that play in field is really tight. And they're one of them. And let's see how they come out of this, this 14 game, next 14 games with 10 on the road. Yeah. And I think that was the idea. Let them get one under his belt on their home court before hitting this brutal road stretch where they go up against some of the beasts in the East. Um, definitely going to be a tough task for them and, and, and a road trip that I think a lot of people have their eyes on, especially as we near the, the trade deadline and, and, you know, seeing if they make another, move um, before that. But, you know, as far as their moves are concerned, let's let's focus on the one they have made in, in Ruri Hachimura. Um, you know, to be honest, I was kind of watching 80s activity for most of the game, just seeing how he was moving out there and quite impressed by that. But, um, you know, Rui was pretty solid. Uh, you know, the big takeaways for me was, you know, he hit a three-point shot off uh, LeBron's penetration. Uh, that was nice to see. And then, you know, I, I think I failed to mention or at least emphasize his length um, when I when I talked about him being acquired by the Lakers. But that really paid off for them. He utilized his length in the paint and, and really forced those uh, San Antonio ball handlers to kick the ball back outside. And, you know, Rui on the night in his debut with the Lake Show w- w- was solid. I mean, 21 minutes, 12 points on four of seven shooting to go along with six rebounds. Can't really ask for much more than that. And I think it's just a matter of time before uh, he go- he goes ahead and replaces Troy Brown Jr. in that starting lineup. Yeah, I, I would think so. And that's a, just like we said with the uh, with the Grizzlies or the, the Pelicans, excuse me, yeah. is that you bring in your star- people like that who should be starting and the guys who are 
role players, if you will, come off the bench, now go back into their roles where they can still be productive players. You you need depth in the playoffs. You want to have that. And that bench could suddenly look pretty darn good when you get uh, – I'm, ass- I'm assuming Thomas Bryant would go to the bench. I'm assuming AD would be – but I kind of – I would like to see the two of them on the floor together and put AD at the power. But when he, before he got hurt, he had been playing the five and it presented matchup problems for the opponent. So I totally get it. Um, I like, I like, you know, the trade that they made. He had plus 17, the Lakers are plus 17 in 21 minutes with him on the court. That was the best in the game, you know, uh, you know, game high. So it's hard to do better than that. He's going to get his points and the Lakers offense is not exactly through the roof there. It's not, competing no. with the king for or the warriors for number 1 in the league so you or the celtics so you need points in production where you get it so that should only help their team no doubt about that and as we talk about a star and anthony davis returning to the lakers lineup uh, let's move right ahead to our second quarter here as the starters for this year's all-star game in salt lake city have been announced and uh, let's focus in real quickly on the east the east starters uh, named Earlier tonight, Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, and you know it just kills me, World B, to go ahead and announce that this year's team captain for the East is Giannis. <laughs> it broke your heart, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, if you watch the voting, it's not a real surprise. Those are the guys that have been up there for most. Nobody made a late push or anything like that to get up there. I don't have a problem. I, I, I wouldn't. I don't have a problem with the starters ever in the all-star game in any sport. This is the fans thing. The fans want to see these kids, these guys on there. So absolutely they belong on there. I'm not one of those that says, Oh, he doesn't belong. But if you're looking at who doesn't, somebody deserves more, who should be Kyrie is doing fine, but he, there's other guys that belong up there uh, (laughs) as a starter, but otherwise it's not a, I never have a problem with any of them. You know, KD, I don't, I suspect will not be in the lineup, but I don't know what's going to happen in a couple of weeks. Um, it's a nice lineup. Otherwise it's a, it's a, it'd be fun to watch. Yeah. And I think, I think we all know who's going to be the guy to replace Kevin Durant in that starting lineup. Uh, the one controversial uh, Eastern conference player left out, Joel Embiid second in the mm-hmm. league in points just by a hair. Uh, I mean, he almost leads the league in scoring and he's not starting in this year's all-star game. So uh my big takeaway from Embiid and, and is just the fact that I think this is really going to fuel his second half. Uh, I think this is the best thing for Philly. Uh, just another chip on that guy's shoulder to really prove, uh, you know, the voters wrong. And, and you know, I think he, he'd find it pretty hilarious to go ahead and uh, put together a, a championship run or at least the Easter Conference final run and, and be like, I wasn't even named an all, you know, a starter in the All-Star game. And, and here we are. You know, I get that, and and that's fine. Everybody needs to be motivated, I suppose. And so that's fine if he wants to. I would hope the fact that they are really on a roll right now, and I, if I'm Philly, I'm like, gee, we can win this whole thing. Yeah, we can win that. We can win a title with this group. I would hope that that would be motivation enough to you know we can beat any of these teams rather than. Well, I'll show you that you should have voted me. I should have been a starter. And that's a fan thing. It's not, I don't get That's it. how he get, is, though. I mean, on Twitter, he's pretty vocal about oh, like, get, yes. being You're petty. Right. And, you know, he's, he likes to be petty and, and kind oh, of yeah. throw shots with his tweets sometimes. Oh, you don't get all the technicals you get. You know, you don't <laughs> you know, exchange words with Ben Simmons a year later after all this, <laughs> like he did last night without having a chip on your shoulder and using that stuff. No, I get it. I, I totally understand. I agree with you. I would just think that, hey, after all the after the last couple of years of not really being a contender for a title, and now I've got a team that can be a contender, a legitimate title contender, never yeah. mind just the Eastern Cup, they can win the whole thing. No doubt. I would hope that would be the motivation I would need, but if this helps him out, whatever, if something's working for him because he's he's definitely in the top five consideration for MVP again. Yep. And in the West, the starters named tonight, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Zion Williamson, and Nikola Jokic. 
Any any beef with that? Those five right there? Well, I, I never like I said. I never have a beef. It's what if the fans voted for Zion to be in there? Then that's great. It's not not like he was having a lousy year before he got hurt. Are there more deserving? It's a matter of the vote versus the popular versus deserving. And yeah. obviously, not everybody is deserving of being the starter. Even if LeBron was having a down year this year, which he obviously is not he would probably be a starter and the captain or whatever because everybody loves him, and that's fine. I never have a problem with it. Um, Zion probably won't be in the in this no. uh, roster just because of his injury, and he'll be replaced, and they'll get you know somebody uh, definitely worthy of, of replacing him, but I don't have a problem with it. It's, it's a nice lineup to have. We're at a really good time right now in the NBA in terms of, there's so much offense and there's so many scorers in here that it's fun to see all these guys on here. Cause like Curry had a couple of years ago with his outburst in the all-star game, any of these guys awesome. could just get hot for five or six minutes and put on a show. And that's, you know, that's pretty all-star game. That's what you want a good show. Absolutely. So uh, I think our good show with the selections for this year's all-star game will be next week uh, when they go ahead and announce the reserves. I think we'll have a lot more, discussion in, in regards to who made it who didn't and and that should be a lot of fun so really that's what I, that. I agree that's the one that's what i get excited about when it's the other who got in who deserved to get in who did not deserve to get in blah 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 yep and with that we've reached the halftime buzzer so we'll take a quick break and come back with you for the second half And we're back with the third quarter, and I've got some breaking news for all our listeners out there. World B, I want to be the first to go ahead and congratulate you on being the newly named general manager of uh, some some teams around the league. And here's what's on your plate. We're going to start with you uh, being promoted to GM of the Detroit Pistons. And uh, my first question for you as general manager is, are you trading Boyan Bodanovich at the deadline, or do you want him to be around and actually have an offensive weapon on the floor for your team and uh, keep these games respectable moving forward? Uh, you know what? It's a tough call because we talked about him before in previous episodes. You know, they He was brought in to Detroit to do exactly what he's been doing this year, be a veteran leader and be a productive offensive player. He's having career highs in, in scoring. He's having a career high in shooting. So you can't do much better than what he's doing. Um, and on a team like the Pistons that likes to drive the ball, they're one of the top teams in the league when it comes to driving the ball to the basket. He's been a perfect guy to kick the ball out to, yeah. to, to shoot the three or whatever, shoot from the outside. So from that standpoint, he's doing everything they want and they're having, they, they seem to like having him around the, the front office that I'm replacing, apparently, you know, at some point, yeah. <laughs> uh, seems to like having him around and they're having a tough time deciding if he is part of the future in terms of mentoring these young guys or not. On the other hand, outside of maybe Kate Cunningham, who's your more tra- most tradable asset right now that teams are going to want? Ivy, and, but... Maybe, yes, Ivy. I'm yeah. sorry, yes, maybe him. Yeah. So outside of those two, he's probably the guy that's gonna be they're gonna be calling about more than any of them. And yeah. gee, wouldn't the Grizzlies look good having him yeah. uh having him there? Now what they gotta give up, you know. I think Detroit's in a very advantageous spot right here because they could probably get a lot more for him than they envisioned when the season began. Yeah, and I think you got to strike when the iron's hot. I, I would be all on board on trading uh, Boyan Bogdanovich uh, before the deadline. Uh, certainly understand the tremendous impact he's had on this team as a veteran, and he's playing the best ball of his career, as you mentioned. But, you know, there's no better market than right now when a guy's playing at its peak. And uh, one thing I know about the guy is he does tend to get injured at times. And we haven't seen that this year, thankfully, uh, for him and the Pistons. Um, but you know, with his usage this year in Detroit, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. I mean, if I'm Detroit and I'm worried about the veteran leadership, I go ahead and trade him at his peak value. I get more 
assets down the road that can help me build this team? Because let's face it, the Detroit Pistons are about three or four years away. We talk about how strong the East is uh, with Boston, Philly, Milwaukee. I mean, you go right down the line. They're not in a, in, in a position even next year to really be in contention. Trade them now, get some more assets, and then you can always find somebody else to, to fill that veteran role on your team this offseason. So that that's kind of my take there with that. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with that. I That's a... A, a good sentiment to have if you're in the front office and I just I think they they got more out of him than maybe they were expecting and yeah. now that it makes it tough it's like well geez I didn't realize he could score 20 for us a night oh geez I didn't realize he could shoot like you know 40 something percent from the outside like he is gee what are we going to do if he, if he goes are we going to really really stink and <laughs> is that going to which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for the Pistons being where they are but it's like we want to be competitive, we, you know, but they're, you know, Cunningham being out hurts. So it's hard to really expect a whole lot from the Pistons this season. And like you said, maybe next season as well. Yep. And, you know, it, it would provide an opportunity for Sadiq Bay to kind of get back to being that guy within the offense. And I don't think that hurts you for the long term, giving him that opportunity. But uh, got some news. Just got a text here to Woj Bomb. Uh, they're actually going to now promote the assistant general manager. So you're out as GM in Detroit, um, but it seems like the Indiana Pacers would like your services. So you're now the the general manager of the Indiana Pacers. And my first, first question to you is, are you holding on to soon to be free agent Miles Turner? Oh, and, and you're going to try to fight to get your young team some playoff experience, whether that be a plan or maybe a last uh, playoff spot, or are you going to sell on Miles Turner while you have the chance? Well, seeing as how I just took the job, I don't know the contract situation of all my players. However, it is my understanding that this is a contract year for Miles Turner. Sure so is. I don't know exactly how many teams are going to be knocking down the door to get trade a lot of players or trade assets to a guy that could walk at the end of the year. That said, he is another guy having a career year as a shooter. I mean, he's just he's having a career high in field goal percentage. He's having a career high and three-point percentage, and he's one of the top in effective field goal percentage in the league. I think he's sixth right now at 61%. So he's having a great year uh, for him. The Pacers are looking like a team that, you know, Halliburton being out is just crushing them, but they're looking like a team that isn't really going to be a contender in for a playoff spot maybe even because they've lost eight of nine. Now, before this nine-game stretch started, they were in sixth place, and they were uh, contending with the 76ers for the fifth spot before this all happened. Now they've lost eight to nine. Now they're trying to keep from staying in the playing field. The the 11th-place Wizards are only a game back of them. The Pacers are ninth. There's only a game separating ninth and 11th for the play-in tournament. So, I mean, they're, their future suddenly went, you know changed in a hurry with the recent spurt they've had so it's i don't if you can get something for miles turner if you got a team that wants to take them and can give you something that you want and need yes but because you know they're the, put it this way they're the worst shooting team over these nine games and your guy you want to get rid of is having his best year shooting the ball so you be prepared if you uh if you trade him away what you what the rest of the season looks like yeah one team that i would keep an eye out this is an extreme hot take here. I've got no backing on this is the LA Clippers. I could see Balmer trying to put together some type of package with uh, some of their younger assets and maybe future draft picks to go ahead and acquire a guy like Miles Turner, maybe even play him side by side with Zubak um, if they would like to and, and kind of have a bigger lineup, but uh, could certainly make sense there. And that's certainly a guy that's willing to take risks and uh, absorb some money, at least for the short term. So uh, We'll have yeah. to keep an eye on that, but great question. There will be as far as, you know, whether or not they'll 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 try to pull the plug on this season or try to make things worth with Miles Turner uh moving forward. But got 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 some more news for you. Another tough break for you. Uh we got a historic trade yet again between uh the Indiana Pacers and Sacramento Kings. And this this time you're being traded to Sacramento like Sabonis and joining up on the beam team and uh Indiana is getting some cash consideration. So you're now being named the uh, GM of the Sacramento Kings. And 
my first question to you is, are you working hard to make a splash at the trade deadline, obviously sacrificing some future assets and maybe a more immediate concern for you is, are you messing up with the current team chemistry and flow with the shakeup? Well, I'll tell you this. I, they had a rare off night last night offensively. It was, that was really a weird um, night that they had in, the, in their loss, only a, you know barely over a point per possession. So that was a weird – that one I don't um, take too much stock of. But the fact is they're, they're a legitimate contender in this Western Conference. I mean, the teams ahead of them or the teams in the conference in general, there are flaws within the – the Nuggets, we've obviously talked about the Grizzlies. The Pelicans are behind the Kings. And then you got the Clippers and then the Mavericks. I mean, the West is there for the taking. If the Kings want to take it, they have to improve their defense. They have to yep. get a defensive uh, stopper or more pieces. What They have to improve the defense. Um, they can try to outscore you if they want. And it looks good in the regular season, but you know, get back to me the first time you find a case where a team won a championship just simply outscoring and doing away with defense doesn't happen. It just mm-hmm. doesn't. So they need to improve their defense. They're bottom ten in defensive efficiency. They're bottom ten in opponent effective field goal percentage. These aren't things that are you're going to win championships with. They are a contender. Their offense is electric at times. You know, last night notwithstanding. So. If I'm the Kings and I'm the GM for at least until this segment's over, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to find help on defense. Maybe okay. maybe this run isn't the way I envisioned it. You know, the start of the year, I don't know if they expected to be in third place in the Western Conference at this point, but they're there. So yeah. everything that their plan was, the Sabonis trade, all these things, you know, it's working out. And why not give it a shot? Because the teams ahead of them are not un, you know, unbeatable. Nope. There are, there are flaws with, with all the teams ahead of them. The Nuggets don't play defense. The Grizzlies are having, you know, we just talked about them. They can't shoot. So why can't I, be as the Kings, be the team that comes out of the West? There's no reason. I got to say, you did crush your introductory press conference out of the park uh, with the Sacramento Kings. I think a lot of Kings fans would be excited um, if they did make a minor move to kind of strengthen that team to put them in the best position to be primed for a, a postseason run uh, this year. So good job there, Will B. Thanks for having some fun with me with that. And uh, we're going to keep it going here with questions heading into our fourth quarter. It's time for our mailbag listeners submitted questions and uh, first questions from Brandon and he points out that Benedict Matherin of the Indiana Pacers is leading all bench players this year with the most 20 point games off the bench and he wants to know does he have a legit chance at six man of the year as a rookie or is that Russell Westbrook's honor to lose I think he I think he has a legit chance I I don't know whether he's going to win it but his numbers are comparable to Russ in many yeah. ways, I should say, in many ways, not in every situation. I mean, but he's outscoring Russ uh, by a couple points per game. They're shooting; he's shooting about the same from the field as Russ is. Now he's a he's a much better three point shooter, but that's not something you necessarily put on your resume that I can shoot better than Russell Westbrook from the outside. It's not something that you know you hang your hat on there because he's still only shooting thirty two percent from three point range. Yeah. But and. Westbrook has a better rebounding assist numbers and stuff like that. And he's obviously the name that you hear about. But I think his numbers, I think you can make a, a, an argument for him absolutely to uh, be a contender or finish first or second. Or, you know, maybe he can uh, beat Russ. But Russ is going to be on TV more. Russ's team is going to probably, I would think, have a better record when it's all said and done than the Pacers. Uh, especially the way things are going for Indiana. And it only looks better for his future, but I don't know if it's necessarily this season. But you can make a case. I just did. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think we also have to mention Malcolm Brogdon with the Boston Celtics. He's put put together a strong year. Absolutely. Um, He's probably the guy who's going to be – if you voted right now, he's probably the guy to run away with it before Russ. Yeah, yeah. For this question, though, I'm going to take Russell Westbrook. I think just with all the scrutiny, pressure, and adjustments Russ 
has had to personally face and, and, and kind of come to accept, it sure seems like he's overcame a lot of it. And, you know, despite a roster that remains very questionable with a mixed bag of char- characters and talents or lack thereof at times, I think he's found a way to be effective and he's really playing a huge part into the success of the Lakers. Um, so um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad if Russell Westbrook won it, but I'm with you there. I think Malcolm Brogdon is going to take home the the award. Somebody, do, somebody in L.A., do me a favor. Get a banner ready or get ready to retire <laughs> Russ's number. If he somehow can finish the season shooting better than 29% from three-point range, I'm begging you, Russ, hit a jumper. Just it, put an incentive. They, you know, we'll make a statue on the outside the old staples there. If you can just hit a jumper more than once a game, please, I'm begging you, 29%. You're a veteran in this league. You're supposed to be one of the all-time greats. I get it. It's not his game, but 29%. Manu Bowl shot better than 29%. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we'll be you're not the GM of the Lakers. I did not crown you that. So uh, you're, you're not going to be able to Sacramento, throw it. Indianapolis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't, you can't put an incentive in Russ's contract, but that, that's a great point there. Can we get a team in Key West? You could send me down there to be the GM. <laughs> yeah, Maybe a G League team in the future. Who knows? I'm, I'm fine. Lakeland is just a, about 30 minutes from my house. I'll, I'll do that. All right. All right. We'll keep you in mind, going to hopefully. Detroit or, or something. Right. And, and our second question comes in. We want to thank Brandon for the question. Uh, that was a fun one to discuss. Second question comes in from Tanner. Tanner wants to know, aside from another championship, what big accomplishment will help LeBron reach the greatest of all time status? Well, in a few weeks, he's about to get a big achievement there with the the scoring Kyle. record. Um, there's really not a. I mean, there's at this point, there's really not a whole lot left for him to do. You either at this point in his career, you either think he's the greatest or he's never going to be the greatest. There's really nothing he can do. There now, there are. I'll put the there are some things he can do. He could win another MVP somehow along the way. I don't see that happening because there's just too many really, really good players. I'm not talking about this year, but, you know, down the road, you know, the next couple of years, however long he's got in the league, left in the league, if he were to come away with an MVP, well, that would certainly do it. But the last time he had a top five finish in the MVP race was 2020 when he came in second to Giannis there. So, you know, that's probably not happening. He could average a triple-double for a season. That would certainly be something at this stage that would be impressive. But – He's never even averaged, for all his greatness, he's never averaged even nine rebounds a season. So that's probably not going to happen. So he could lead the NBA in scoring, you know, for a season or whatever, but he's only done that once, and that was way back in 2008. So that probably isn't going to happen, but that could. And, but I mean, the biggest thing for him, the the year he's having this year is really incredible. We've talked about at length about he's almost averaging 30 points a game this season on a team uh, that just isn't that great right now or mediocre, you need to see him on the court the rest of his career. You know, he's he's missed a lot of time with injuries. So he's having a good run this year. So he's doing fine right now. He hasn't played 70 games in uh, five or six seasons. So if you really want to see LeBron greatness, he needs to be on the court the rest of his career. How that works out, who knows? in terms of getting him rest or just getting injured because it's going to happen. But that, I mean, at this point, there's really nothing left for him to do. Either think he's the greatest or you don't. Yeah. My answer to this one is pretty simple, and it's a tough task, but he's doing a heck of a job doing it at the moment. I think the way that he you know, continues to try to reach greatest of all time status is by continuing to defeat father time. I mean, LeBron James, what he's doing this year at 38 years old is just remarkable. And he's doing it, you know, in, in a year where the, the Lakers are struggling. He's he's helped them, obviously, just single-handedly win games. And and just by defeating Father Time, he's going to continue to climb and separate himself within the all-time leaderboards. As you mentioned, World Beat, he's about to take the, the scoring title all-time here this season rather soon. And, you know, he's just going to continue to climb the ladder boards and other stat categories if he just continues to play at an all-star level. So... Uh, yeah. For that question, I just think, you know, what he's doing right now, defeating Father Time, which is, you know, Father Time is basically undefeated and 
right now he's against the ropes with with LeBron at age 38. Absolutely. Uh, that's been that's been the most imp- impressive part and biggest argument against Jordan if if we want to go there as far as those two. I mean, you're right about that. Well, imagine three, four, imagine four seasons from now, whatever. He's 42 yeah. and he's still averaging 25 a night or whoever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how ridiculous. You're, you're absolutely right. That to continue to be a 25 to 30 point a guy night, or, you know, a couple of years ago, he led the league in assists. It'd be something like that at, in the, in your 40s. Yeah, that would certainly, uh, you could certainly, all the people who are consider him the greatest. Would have even more ammunition to uh, for their you know, to vote for him as a, as the greatest. Yep, absolutely. So we want to go ahead and thank Tanner for the question. Um, I'm going to continue to keep encouraging you all that follow me on social media at Ross Geiger on Twitter or at Scout Sense on Instagram to go ahead and ask away with your questions. We will get to them at some point. I do have an archive of questions and uh, really appreciate those that are interacting with us here on the show. Now, as we're into overtime here, we'll be just want to go ahead and give uh, our final thought here. Um, I'm thrilled to announce on behalf of the 48 Minutes crew that we're continuing to grow uh, our listening base. And again, want to thank all those that are locked into every episode, listening to every second and continuously hitting us up on social media with content ideas, questions, and words of encouragement. And we want to thank you all for that. And we also have an exciting development to uh, go ahead and announce as well. We've been in the process of getting some 48-minute swag on the Believe website. Uh, So now, in addition to go ahead and spreading the good word about our podcast to your friends, family, and fellow Hoopers, uh, you're now going to be able to get your hands on a 48-minute T-shirt. That went live earlier today, and we couldn't be more excited uh, for all of you that are interested in repping this amazing podcast with a t-shirt and uh, you know, we're, we're definitely excited to continue to build this community together. And I stress together because all of this doesn't work without you, our loyal, fun and friendly supporters. So we, we appreciate you. World B got anything? Well, nothing else. Certainly top that. Um, That was uh, (laughs) great news to find out this morning. Uh, It's really, uh, we really love the fact that the show continues to grow and, and, uh, I believe me, we are having a blast doing this. Uh, it's my thing I look forward to on every Monday when we tape and every Thursday oh, yeah. when we tape. This is uh, the highlight of our my day, certainly. And I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying it's probably the same for you and our, our friend Bruce. Absolutely. So I want to thank you all. And that will go ahead and do it for this edition of 48 Minutes on Believe. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back with you next Monday. But in the meantime, be sure to download and subscribe and we hope you have a great weekend. Take care, everybody.